Now listening to Real Friends, a movie podcast. podcast i'm emily and i'm madison and welcome everyone to one episode 50 and two uh the season finale of season two of real friends yeah it's like a really good wrap-up i can't I believe we've been here for two for whole nine seasons. years yes 50 episodes yes. yes that's a lot that's like over 50 hours including the stranger things episode that's like 75 oh, hours god damn yeah i forgot about that one that was fun Oh my god. I'm so, like, one, I'm just so happy because I remember we got to, like, episode 16 and we were like, should we, like, just keep doing this? And then we just haven't mentioned it since. Like, oh, you mean episode 16, The Edge of Tomorrow, another solid time loops episode? Interesting that you mentioned that right now. Funny to mention. Did you, did you do that on purpose? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I know that at the top of my head? Oh, interesting. Maybe because I looked it up earlier today. Uh, oh, I'm curious. I'm oh, curious. cool. Um, but yeah, you know what is really cool about episode 16? Tell me. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yeah. We, we, we talked at length, yeah, in, in episode, in episode 16 about our affinity for, for Tom Cruise, but it just felt like Tom needed a whole episode. He did. So that's what we've done. There's too many things, honestly, and we've watched a lot of them. But not enough of them at the same time. I feel like I haven't watched like a majority of his works, even though I feel like I've watched a majority of his works. Yes. I think what I realized as we recorded this episode is like, what an expansive career this man has, because I feel like now he's just like found his groove and he's doing action movies and we love them and we thank him for them. But like looking back at just like, you know, he was in Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, he worked with Scorsese, you know, he worked mm-hmm. with Spielberg, but just like revisiting all of these amazing roles, like his career is unbelievably expansive. Right. So many at Kubrick, like so many different, like he's been part of pop culture history since the beginning of time is what it feels like for me. Yeah. And, and we talk about this a little bit in the episode, which, which we will get to shortly, but uh, it's, it's. I feel like he's one of the very few people whose career and entertainment level is high enough and great enough that the whole world has just collectively been like, we are separating the man from the entertainer. Yeah. And if you don't like him uh, for different reasons, like that's okay. okay. But, but also I've, I've been trying to convince like Matt, for example, my boyfriend, uh, he's like, very beginning i don't like country i'm like well why well of course these reasons i understand that but i was i've been trying to get him on the tom cruise train for such a long time and i think he's finally accepting him good for what it is and of course we've watched the classics i'll just say rock of ages that's the only classic <laughs> i will say right now spoilers like, a fun movie um <laughs> but yeah he's done so much fun stuff and he is as we will talk about later on the epitome of a movie star which means that he is 
he has been in so many films as an actor, as a producer, executive producer, you know, like he stunt, like he does his own stunts for the most part. Like he's done so many things throughout his career that he just really tries to like understand the filmmaking process from start to finish, which like for me, I give him a lot of respect from my perspective doing he's a real student of cinema he is truly and he he's there and he's eager to learn and i think that that's very laudable of him so again we love tom cruise so much and and who best to talk about tom cruise than our friends at the light the fuse podcast which is the official mission impossible podcast with our friends Mm -hmm. drew and charles so just quick intro i know drew uh, i've known drew for a few years and he of course his partner in crime is charles uh so they have their own podcast that is all mission impossible all the time they just had their 200th episode which is incredible and i would like to uh to uh credit drew for like giving us advice in the very early stages of our podcasting career of like what to do so i really appreciate him as a friend and also a colleague um but their podcast is also really fun so please check it out if you haven't already uh it's very it's very cool they have amazing they they can secure some guests on that show so my god episode 200 if you haven't already check it out we're gonna spoiler alert a lot today tom cruise is on it yeah spoiler Um, alert and nick offerman and Macquarie, like so many different people from the franchise from mission impossible from top gun maverick it's incredible they do their research they know their shit listen to them please yeah they're really wonderful we talk more about it with them uh when they join us shortly and uh everything their podcast is about and i will just say uh this is my first time meeting both drew and charles and we had such a fun time (laughs) with them talking about tom cruise uh and ranking our favorite movies so Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you if you've been here for sticking around through season two. We're very excited about season three. We have our season three premiere right around the corner. It is planned. Hold your horses. Madison, I have so many things I want to talk to you about. (laughs) I have a list. And we have so many fun things planned for the rest of season three and far down the line, which is all the more exciting is that Real Friends is still really friendly. I we're still friends that's pretty cool it is pretty cool so on that note please everyone uh enjoy our season finale enjoy tom cruise and enjoy our conversation with charles and drew thank you so much charles and drew for joining us charles and drew are from the amazing podcast light the fuse which is a weekly podcast about mission impossible and have interviewed people who've worked on the franchise including oscar winner directors writers, cinematographers, composers, and editors. You guys have over 200 episodes, and you've featured guests like Brian De Palma, Brad Bird, Christopher McQuarrie, Nick Offerman, and none other than Mr. Tom Cruise. So first of all, just like congratulations, you guys, on the podcast. I mean, I think our best episode is yet to come because we have talked to our caterer, and we have not not launched that episode yet, but... (sighs) You know, we've talked I, to every actually, strata I think was, production. I think, he was, I think he was in craft services. Not oh, craft services. Computer, that's right. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to get What's your favorite fun fact about craft? Like, what was the favorite meal they've ever given? Well, he told somebody? a fun story about being in Dubai on Ghost Protocol and getting, was it Smashburger, Charles, or Fatburger? I think it was Smashburger. I thought it was Fatburger. <laughs> 
No, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't even remember the story. What's the story? Anyway, he got some crazy. He got some crazy um, American. I love hamburger. that you interview people from literally every different sect of production because it's important. And again, you've had over two hundred episodes, so you have an extensive list of people who you've interviewed for all of these films. So it's awesome. It's awesome to listen to. I've listened to a good handful and it's always fun. It always makes me cringe as a publicist when Drew tries to get <laughs> the nitty gritty of, oh, what's coming out in the new movie? Can you tell me about this? Spoiler. <laughs> we gotta and try. My, we gotta try. And I'm like a friend listening to it, but then my like work brain comes in and go, don't say anything. <laughs> I'm not even, I don't even work for Paramount. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we, we just had um, Angus and Jeremy on the show for a light year, the fuse three part. Yeah. So that's cool. Oh, I love yeah, both of them. They're awesome. Yeah, it's a re- it's a really good uh series of episodes. So, I don't know which yeah. one of you said it on on the 200th episode, but one of you said you were referring to all of your past episodes and called it a treasure trove of behind the scenes filmmaking and I feel like that was like perfectly mm-hmm. said. It it is. That sounds like something stupid I would say. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Charles is stupid. I can I can vouch for that. Hey. <laughs> But yeah, no, it, it, but we do. Trope. We love shining a light on on all aspects of of film. It's it's very easy to, to for people, and I, I work as a as a writer and director, and it's very easy to just focus on the directors and be like, that's the genius behind the movie. But there's so many brilliant artists who work on every movie, and and when it comes to the Mission Impossible movies, they're so big that they're you know obviously the yeah, and 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 it seems like Tom Cruise has let those artists really shine and do their work in, in an amazing way they're not handicapped in any way in, in what they're trying to do it's really amazing yeah could you guys talk a little bit for people who don't know about just like how the podcast started between you two and like why mission impossible <laughs> well we fell in love over a warm summer's eve many years ago what were you uh, doing we, <laughs> well, no it wasn't was summer it was it was i think i met is. we met junior year of high school right Awesome. Like, which 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 city? What which high school? This is uh, Fairfield. Fairfield, Connecticut. Yeah. So that we were the Fairfield. It was Fairfield High School. It was one high school back then. Uh, but what I think the genesis of this podcast came from, we saw Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol done by our friend Brad Bird mm-hmm. in uh, in IMAX in December 2011. We he had wasn't a our friend at the time. time. He was not our friend <laughs> at the time. He's our friend now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And now we have spent an inordinate amount of time at his home bugging him about uh, Mission Impossible details, but we loved it so much. And we went and saw him talk. He did this great lecture at Lincoln Center later that night. We just had the time of our lives, but it's kind of, it kind of reunited our love of the franchise. And we just started texting. And I said, we have to do a podcast for Fallout in preparation for Fallout. We have to call it Light the Fuse because that is the line from Ghost Protocol where Charles and I erupted in applause in a completely silent theater. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> when he said that, we were like, "Woo!" And I think that is some, somewhere in in the cosmic waves, that's where it started. I, think. I love it, and that's such a great line too. And I again, so like Madison mentioned earlier, she has for the first time watched all of these movies. I too, yeah. so I watched the first like the first Mission Impossible like several times before in my youth, but I've never actually sat down and watched all of them before. And I I got through four. I got through Ghost Protocol. Four. And then, so once I heard the light, the fuse line, I just looked at my boyfriend and went, what's the name of the podcast? 
Christ. We got equally yeah. as excited. Um, and then with that being said, Drew and or Charles, I would like to hear your best Brad Bird impersonation. I think I do a pretty good one. Charles can... Drew is the our, our impressions department. Because ahead, I Drew. know that you ask a lot of people to do their impression, and I was like, I don't yes. think I've heard one yes. that I was like was, has been that accurate yet. So, well, Teddy Newton did a good one. Sometimes people just do them like kind of subconsciously, <laughs> but my my go to is from the Incredibles Blu-ray, which is the only I think behind the scenes Disney documentary where that you can tell that they had to cut out an f bomb. But he goes, yes. he's like getting everybody, he's getting everybody riled up and he goes, we're going to use every part of the fucking buffalo. And I think that's sort of. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of yeah. 10. <laughs> yeah. So that's him. Oh but we like people Amazing. when he gets like, because he's, he's so excitable. Hey guys. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I don't have an impression of Brad Bird for you. I'm sorry. You don't have it's to, Charles. It's okay. Charles is as emotionally yeah. invested in the incredible behind-the-scenes features, but <laughs> we'll get, he'll get there. One day his children will be so obsessed that he will yeah. have to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, so thank you, you guys, for joining us on our very silly little show when we have just proved that yours is so <laughs> wonderful and professional and amazing. We, and you're on 200. I think this is our 50th. Is that correct, Madison? Yeah, you guys are oh, on our 50th episode. This is episode oh, wow. 50. Just, We're wrapping up season two. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Drew, Drew and I actually had a fun... When we first started, Madison, Drew was the person who was like, oh, you're starting a podcast? Do you want to like get on a Zoom? And, and it was during the pandemic too, obviously, because this was like our mm-hmm. pandemic like fun hobby that we started. And Drew was like, oh, do you want to like get on a Zoom to learn about the podcasting ways? And I said, yes, absolutely. So <laughs> Drew and I got on a Zoom and I was like taking like notes. I still have the notes in my draft section, like in my email. So he gave me really good tips on how to be like successfully just make it fun like here's how you hear some fun tips and tricks on how to do it and it was very helpful so drew i credit a lot of our real friend stuff to you and your oh, your great advice that you gave it did it, look we're on we're on 50 so it, it, it helped a lot <laughs> i do remember that specifically because our i we just like stumbled through our first well we've stumbled through the whole thing but we really stumbled through <laughs> like our first five episodes and then emily was like I got some advice and then all of a sudden we were like, Oh, and you we can like literally hear format. the difference. Yeah. I told her, I told her, put we, turn the microphone on. That's it. That was like the biggest one. We, right? we had the same yeah. kind of thing. Our early episodes definitely sound a little different than these ones. There was there it's was it's a learning cl- process, yes. you know. Yeah. Sure. You learn by doing. I especially exactly. mine, because Drew does this for a living. He interviews people for li- I was it was very difficult for me to learn how to do that kind of stuff. And Has Charles I gotten still, better? I still don't. I've not gotten any better at it. I, no, I, come I, in and I just disagree, ask the most Charles. No, Drew you is have so good, good at transitions and things like that. And I'm just like, no. hey, I like this movie you were in. Talk about it. <laughs> I do. Charles brings that Chris Farley show energy to the podcast, which we love. Which you know, it's great. We had a we the, our most recent episodes are mainly a Jackie Chan episode, basically yeah. because of Charles. But yeah. You know, we yeah. love every, we awesome. everything these other people do. Yeah, and so yeah, it's Jackie like, Chan why poster not? on the yeah. wall back there. These are not people who, who I don't think are asked a lot of questions about themselves and their oh, careers. Totally. And we are just so excited to have them on the show. We love everything they've done. And, you know, it's really such a celebration of movies and movie making. And Yeah. 
So Charles, I think you're doing great. Which we love. Yeah. Concur. I think too, like what's so cool about it is yeah. Yeah. Like the people that you guys talk to who don't get asked a lot of questions, but also just like the environment that's been curated, the people who do get asked the most questions, like truly the Tom Cruise episode, like the dialogue was so like, it made me so happy to listen to the entire thing because it just felt like such a like positive peer exchange between like film lovers and film makers. Like it was so lovely. So congrats. Yeah, but I was giving Macquarie the business on that one. <laughs> kind of giving <laughs> oh, him a little. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dynamic we've established. He's too mysterious. You know, so we're trying cool. to get through that. <laughs> He's the, the coolest guy in the world. Yeah. So I don't know the details about how Emily and Drew, you guys know each other or how you met. Give me that. We answer. also fell in love on a warm summer day. I knew it. Many we years did. ago. I don't know how many. Yeah. I mean, basically, I'm a journalist. Emily worked at PR for a prominent um, film studio. And every time I would go up there, a lot of it is just waiting around. So she and I would bullshit. And. I wrote a book for this film company and so I was hanging out for a couple of days up there and so we got to spend a lot of time together and it was just a yeah. joy. I think she's she's just a wonderful, wonderful person and I and I love that she's my friend. Stop stop it. Conversely, <laughs> I was gonna say Drew was like the cool journalist that like my colleagues knew and I was like, I wanna be his like I did it in that voice. I was like, I wanna be his friend. Wait, now do it again. Do it again, but do it as the chipmunk from Enchanted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Oh, my God. I love that. And also, since then, I've met Drew's wife, Katie, who's like the fucking coolest. And way, my favorite yeah, way, thing. Way cooler than Drew. May I say <laughs> yes, the thing that Katie and I bonded over was the fact that we discussed how Madison, you'll probably appreciate this because Madison's from Sacramento, but the like the water fountain water in the Capitol building is the best and freshest water you'll ever have in your entire life. And wow. that that is a tidbit that I think everybody should know about before we dive into our filmmaking yeah. <laughs> podcast. Speaking of movies. If you're in the Capitol in Sacramento... You have to try the water fountain water would recommend. Bring well, a water bottle. Sacramento Capital, Sacramento California Governor's Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. There. Done. done. That's the that's the segue that we needed to talk about Tom Cruise right Boom. now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we have had you two join us today for our fiftieth episode and the season finale of season two. Uh to talk about the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Tom Cruise, because you guys are the experts, I think. How's it feel to be Tom Cruise experts? Are we the experts, Charles? Yeah. I wouldn't say that. No. <laughs> I I we just we we've talked a lot on our show about the movies. Sure. <laughs> so yes. So yes. Yeah. So they are the they're humble experts. <laughs> I mean, we, 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 we are so almost entirely solely focused on the Mission Impossible series. Uh, but are we fans of Tom Cruise in general? Yes. So, yeah, we love, we love his whole career. Yeah. So then this is going to be kind of fun to branch out a little bit from the Mission Impossible series. Yeah. And hear yeah. from you guys about that and your thoughts on him outside of that series. Well, and I think I might, I might be jumping the gun, but you asked us to, you wanted to talk, is that later in the show? We're going to talk about the top five Tom Cruise. 
I want a clarification on what that is. Yeah. Because yeah. is, is, is it favorite? Is it, is, it, is it best? And is it movie or is it performance? Because I got to get my ducks in a row here. I got to get ready for this. The answer to all of those questions is personal. Like, I feel like it's just your personal, like what you would rank as your top five favorite. I would say... Favorite, not best. Because to me, it's a different list. Yeah, it's favorite, per- personal favorite. My list is does not does not showcase his best work. No, mine certainly <laughs> is favorite. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so top it's five for favorite. me myself. Here's, and I know people don't Here's my question though. <laughs> Has he ever delivered a performance that isn't like the best? That's exactly. Even if he's in a no. shitty Emo, movie, absolutely yeah. never, never phones it in. So five, yeah. top five Tom Cruise movies, not performances. Top five favorite movies. Yes. Movies for you, yeah. Charles, okay. on your personal list that you would recommend to people that you say, "I love these movies." Okay. You sent me a picture of you. You sent me a picture of you watching Top Gun the other night. And I, just I bought it on digital say, for nineteen ninety nine, but I got it on sale for eighteen ninety nine. On Amazon, we, yeah, we love a deal. What we a steal! A Always love a deal. Yeah. I had to buy it immediately, and I learned that it came out on digital from listening to your podcast. <laughs> Great! I was like, it's out. We're getting the word out. <laughs> Spreading so the thank good you word. guys. Yeah, <laughs> doing the Lord's work on light. The exactly. <laughs> I want to launch into the conversation about Tom Cruise. I feel like everyone feels this way, but this man just seems like such an enigma to me. The man is a movie star. He is just such pure, like pure entertainment to the point where like I've completely separated for me personally, like the man from the person making the movies and like the sheer entertainment value I get from literally any Tom, any Tom Cruise movie. And I just like want to hear from you guys as like specific fans of one of his biggest franchises. Like, what do you think it is about Tom Cruise that like makes him such a singular entertainer? Well, during the during the 200th, not to keep plugging our show, but there's a great exchange between him and McCory about how he is sort of like supernaturally attuned to what an audience wants or needs or is looking for. And to me, that's the thing that sets him apart. One, I mean, he's like obviously the hardest working person in Hollywood. And everyone that we talk to says they have to elevate their game to be even close to what he's at. But I think the thing that sets him apart is that kind of like, um, I don't know what it is. It's almost like a, you know, spiritual like conversion with the audience of, of knowing exactly what they need, exactly what emotional beats the movie has to hit and then delivering on those in a way that is unlike anything else happening in movies today. I know you guys talk about Marvel movies sometimes and it's like, yeah, that's all well and good, but like there's something like compare Maverick to any of those Marvel movies. It's so head and shoulders above them just in terms of spectacle and this emotional thing that, you know, he's been working on with McCory over with fallout. Emily, you'll find this out when you get to mission Impossible six. So how you should really be looking forward to that one. Um, but I think that's the thing that sets him apart. And he knows he's a movie star and he sort of delivers on that promise. Yeah. And a really like he's, yeah, it's just all about sort of like payoff. Like his movies are just so satisfying and it's really, it's really amazing to watch. I don't know if Charles has other insight. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think that says it well. And I think it's what we talked about before too, where he, I, I think he is, incapable of giving you anything that's not a hundred percent genuine and uh, like the the and 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 is he just will never phone in anything 
you see him in, yes. in, in like a as a, as a side character in Rock of Ages or, or what, whether it's that or Tropic Thunder or if he's leading a movie like Top Gun Maverick, he's a hundred percent engaged in see what it seems like in his in his is in everything that he does. He's absolutely a hundred percent focused on whatever the task is and and being absolutely present in that moment and that's so important uh, for an actor to have that quality yeah i mean madison you asked what what you know what's the difference between him off screen and what he is on screen i don't think there is a difference i think everything he does is funneled into that whatever performance mm-hmm. it is and that's why you have all these interesting kind of dimensions to maverick where it's like you know, it's about movie making. You know, Macquarie said the Mission Impossible movies are about movie making, but Maverick really felt like it was, especially at this juncture of like, you know, cinema is is up in the air. Like, are people going to come back? You know, you're too old. You're out of out of touch. You want to go into the theater instead of streaming. Like, there's all these elements that you can read into the Maverick experience that were not probably intended to be there, but just sort of have a way of seeping in in these last two years when it was, you know, sitting on a shelf and just waiting to be kind of unleashed on the world. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, Paul, they, they always ask Pauline Kael, who's a famous, you know, film critic, why she never wrote an, an autobiography. And she said, I did in every review that I wrote. And I feel like that's a little bit like Tom Cruise, where it's like, that's him. He's just like this madman who's like committed so much of himself his entire body and soul into these performances that he yeah. that he gives and it's all for the audience it's none of yeah. it is none of it is pretentious you know he's not sending dead rats to anybody or you know it's like <laughs> he is all about the performance and giving that to the audience whatever it takes so right. yeah and like you mentioned it too drew like it's like we all said he's a movie star like i feel like nowadays like there's actors there are people who are like they're doing this for their job but he like i think filmmaking Tom Cruise is so embedded into him as a person like he's part of every single aspect like he can do a lot of his own stunts he's like an executive producer he knows like the way like the filmmaking of everything he has a decision and everything he's done since he was you know you know at a very young age I think that he just knows everything there is to know about filmmaking because he's interested in it and like that's who he is as a person where I'm like yeah he is like a movie star like everything about him like just kind of exudes you know filmmaking yeah we, everybody we talk to says that they he knows their job better than him and you know we yeah, hear like things he like asked the, he asks the questions you know he's like he's like hey how do you do this how do you do this like i'm in, he's actually interested whereas other people just come up and they do their job which is what their role is but he's like i want to learn how to do everything so it's like inherent in in his in his acting and his filmmaking yeah we want him to direct yeah next <laughs> something i next, i thought please. of when i was watching fallout actually for the first time uh that i don't think i really like picked up on with tom cruise until this year like until fallout and until maverick is he seems to have such a like removed ego for someone who is at his caliber like i feel like he really enjoys giving other people the spotlight and he really enjoys like making sure the people that he is working with are like doing their best work and are also feeling happy. And I thought about that during follow because I was like, man, everyone in this movie is so good. And I like, didn't really think I was a huge Henry Cavill fan. And I was like, he is great in fallout. He is <laughs> yeah. such a good bad guy in fallout. And then I was thinking about like all the new top gun guys. And I feel like what's so great about him is I genuinely just have the feeling that like, 
he cares so deeply about the product. And if he thought that he wasn't the right person for any position in a movie, he would step like he's only doing the things that he knows he's going to be great at. Yeah, I think there is a push and pull there. Like, obviously, you want to see Tom, Tom Cruise in that final flight at the end of Top Gun Maverick. Like, he he also knows that part of it, too, right? Like, yeah. if he wasn't in that, he would let people down. So, yeah, I think he, he cares very deeply about his, his crewmates and his coworkers and about safety. And, you know, during the 200th, we had the, the boys from Top Gun call in. And they were at one of their, they were at Jay Ellis's wedding. And he was, you know, when we got him on later in the episode, he was asking questions about who was there. And, you know, it was really sweet. It was like so wonderful. And to see him as that person was just great. He's just the best. Like he just brings out, you can't come to set and be some kind of like lazy asshole. You have to like (laughs) be the best. That's why I think all these performances are so good. And why obviously all the kids from Top Gun, took that so seriously as like you know this is like something that people will watch in a hundred years like don't mess it up i think he has an understanding too of if we all if everyone around me looks great then i'll look great too like in terms of getting everybody has a great line everybody has a great character and not all movie stars are like that um i think there are some movie stars that when they hear someone has a club they're like well i should be saying that line because that's the good line that's the that's ask the us about who we heard heard about recently after the show and we'll tell you <laughs> oh off the record off the wreck uh, we tell yeah, us but... now so we don't forget and then madison will edit it out uh, yeah Ugh, annoying that tracks i guess yeah no one. i want to hear you guys have talked about this a lot on your podcast obviously but i want to spend a little bit of time of it yeah. Oh my God. Tell me okay. about Mission Impossible. <laughs> Start from the beginning. Yes. <laughs> I want to hear a little bit about like what you guys are hoping for in the next installments of the franchise, oh, which we're getting in 2023 question. and 2024. Like if you were to succinctly tell us what you are hoping. Like, predict- like predictions? It doesn't even need to be a plot That's prediction, hard. but just That's what are hard. you hoping to see? Is it yeah. too much? No, no. I- Another okay. off the record question I have for you, but we can put on the record. Yeah. Can you be? When are you going to be extras in the next Mission Impossible movie? Well, we have to be killed off. We want to be like destroyed. yes. We're trying to yeah. visit set. We'll see. We'll. we'll oh my god! Cool. Yeah. I feel like they do it. You guys are buddies. That'd be really fun. Even if we were on the sidewalk while he's like careening past, and we just kind of go like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll wear a beret if it's in you know. Yeah. Yeah. They're like we're not um, even in but, we're not even in France. I think yeah. I think <laughs> you're wearing a beret. Yeah, I mean, in terms of what I'd like to see in a, I mean, it's from what we've seen the trailer now for Mission Impossible Seven, and we've seen a little behind the scenes feature at 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 CinemaCon of of the big of one of the big stunts in the movie. So. You know, I, we have an idea of what's going to be in seven, um, but I mean, I, I loved where McCory took the story and the characters in Fallout so much, um, and he has this amazing ability to build on things. And like it, it, Fallout is that rare, and, and Top Gun Maverick is the same thing. And I feel like a, a lot of that is the Christopher McCory effect, which is. The, the movie is so good. The sequ- It's such a great sequel that it actually makes the movies before it better. I think Top Gun Maverick makes Top Gun better. I think Mission Impossible Fallout makes the earlier entries better. It makes Mission Impossible... I was... I mean, if you heard our, hear our early episodes 
on the podcast, like Drew and I, you know, we don't love Mission Impossible 3 as much as some people do. But I think Fallout, because of what he where he went with, I guess you have, you haven't seen it, Madison or I is I or no, seen it's it Emily. oh I Emily yeah, hasn't seen it. Okay, sorry. Well, there, it's not a spoil. It's in the opening scene, and I don't, anyway, the, the you saw the third one, right? Julia, his mm-hmm. his wife, it comes is a character that returns in Fallout, and what he does with that character makes me care more when I revisit Mission Impossible Three. So Fallout makes it better. So I, what I'm hoping for in seven and eight is he. And I'm, I assume he's going to. He's going to build on what he's done already. He's going to. He's going to take us further. And he's talked about this wanting to go further with the emotions. And I. And that's the thing about Fallout that was so surprising and wonderful was, was how much of a character piece it was with Ethan and how much uh, emotion there was in it for a Mission Impossible movie. And that was so surprising. And I, I think he's going to keep going in that direction. So that's that's what I would love to see. And I think we'll get in seven. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think I think the, I think these two movies are going to be a culmination of this, you know, at least since three, all of these movies, the kind of bad robot era as we describe them. Well, but um, also Kittredge. Don't forget Kittredge is returning from the first. No, movie. I know, but I mean, I, I think there's going to be a. I'm just saying what? there's going to be a sense of, of finality <laughs> to these next two. I think that there's it's going to be if it's not the end, it's going to close a chapter in a really big way, and I'm just very excited to go on that journey. Two parter. I mean, it's. We're in uncharted territory here for Mission Impossible. So, you know, this is going to be really something. And obviously the fact that they've worked on it for so long already. They have so long to go. They have so many amazing locations that are coming up that they're going to film in. I mean, it's just going to be it's going to be an overwhelming experience. And, I, I, and also, I should say, Drew, I'm sure agrees with me. There is a list of Ethan Hunt special abilities that we will love to see as a checklist in these movies. Um, yep. And one of them is already confirmed in the trailer, which is he does close-up magic. That's incredible. We're oh, dying yes. to see this in the movie. <laughs> um, his his drawing skills, which are on display in three Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation, we want those to come back. His fo- his photographic memory, we want that to be a part of this. Yeah. His, the, the lip reading, he can read lips. Love yeah, that. Yeah. We want to see that. Really always. good. And his uncanny ability to uh, return from the dead which he's done twice. I think he's dead in MI3 for four or five minutes or something. And then in Rogue Nation, he's dead for another four and five, four or five minutes. So he, he's, he, uh, the, the, he has a zombie ability there of somehow return, resurrecting. Or Christ. He's Christ. Yeah. Christ-like ability to yeah. return yeah. from the dead. Were so you referring we, to the part where he was like talking to Jeremy Renner and he's like sketching, like he's doing the sketch of the person? Oh, yes. He draws this it on his hand. And the sketch is so, the sketch is so And you're like, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking like, about. It's incredible, and you gotta love the 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 the, the Renner's delivery too. Is great where he's like, "Well, it's a crude drawing, but uh, but I know exactly who you're talking about." (laughs) (laughs) That's just that's just cinema at its finest. (laughs) I'd like to see like a hilarious addition. Like he's really amazing at balloon animals, or like (laughs) yes, interior decorating. Oh, you know what else we want to see? Ethan makes the greatest fucking balloon animals on the planet. Yeah. He could, no obviously. Yeah. I think we would also like to see not a full mask, but his kind of half disguise. There's a character he plays in three oh. that is kind of like this hippie guy in the yes. airport. That is like one of our favorite characters. Was that was that three or that, that's it's in three? He's at the airport. I yeah, think he's like a he's like a he's check like che- guy, like or check. Something. Yeah, he's like Pablo yeah, Zabatka or something like that. Oh my god, I yeah. love it. We love he him. Does. We love that character. So we want to see a happy 
you know, a ha- not quite a mask, but not. I would, and, and you know what? I'd be thrilled just to see that kid, that alter ego come back. Bring yeah. back Pavel, the the Czech <laughs> traveler who doesn't speak English. Yeah, I, I imagine he's kind of a folk mu- musician, kind of. That's kind of idea <laughs> yes, I want to see. I want to see Pavel with a with an acoustic guitar. Of course. Yes. Which yeah. Tom Cruise could do, like to bring it full circle. Yes, probably yeah. Tom Cruise just yeah. do, like we know he does. He probably did draw that picture. Yeah, yeah. he probably, probably could play the guitar. <laughs> yeah. And he has all those drawings in Rogue Nation up on his kind of like conspiracy <laughs> wall. It's like so good. Yeah, sweet Tom. I feel like as as again a Mission Impossible noob. I just watched all these movies for the first time. I just the last forty minutes of Fallout were so unbelievable. And also, sorry, Emily, because I realized I just just spoiled Henry it. Cavill for out, you. I'm so sorry. For, it's been out for years, honestly. It's okay. But the last <laughs> but like, gives it away anyway. but yeah. 45 minutes were so... Uh, like, I was literally sitting on my... Like, sitting up on my couch, like, laughing to myself because I was like, this is so good. Like, it just <laughs> kept getting better. Like, I was, like, literally giggling the entire yes. last 40 minutes of that movie. So I would just like part two to just be that like it would be amazing if they do all set up in part one and then it's just like (laughs) the last 40 minutes of fallout because it rocked my world yes well so wait what you just saw the movies what are your rankings we need to know what 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 you thought of all the movies i have it ready for you right now madison you go first because you watch more than me I made the mistake of not budgeting enough time and I had to skip Ghost Protocol. I'm so sorry. Madison! Oh, I'm so Christ. sorry. You're giving me shit for not watching you're not giving for not I'm watching so Fallout, sorry. but you didn't even watch them in order. I, I also like that you had Wait. like a time for the, line. For the listeners, <laughs> for the listeners, everyone on this call is so aghast and just got so stressed out by <laughs> saying that. I have to say, I'm so sorry. So you still haven't seen Ghost Protocol? I haven't seen Ghost Protocol because I felt like I had to prioritize Fallout. Madison. I put can, can we record a my patch favorite. in a week where these yes. two have seen everything? You need, to, you need to get tickets to Beyond Fest. They're showing Ghost Protocol in IMAX. Done. In, Madison, in I'm working Beyond Fest. Come hang out with me. You gotta okay. go. They we, 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 sold out like instantly, but we got two tickets. We're very excited to go. Oh, oh, I know what you have. I know what you have, Emily. I won't say. Yeah, we'll be there. Um, so my, I put mine, I put Ghost Protocol. I love Ghost Protocol. And then I put three is that what is there a name for that one or is it just, just three. Three? Yeah, it's just okay three. great good then one then two so going okay. from my favorite to like two i had issues sucks. with yeah it i sucks. had i did have issues with it um for many a reason that we don't have to go into right now there were i didn't like it um <laughs> there's also a siren going on i don't have to get into the details but i would go four three one two okay three was amazing as well i love jj abrams so much like i love jage but we love him too yeah we don't think that's and his again, best work but we we love him yeah and then also my rankings of course will change once i watch the rest of the franchise yeah very excited <laughs> yes. to hear what you think wait so did wait did madison did you do your your list or did we just we just change i don't think we it? can even listen to her no we just yelled at madison like skipping the ghost protocol <laughs> yeah situation. oh it's okay madison but it's we're not fine. ever just disappointed just wait to us. so is the consensus here that i made the wrong decision and i should have done like tears in the emily path and watch ghost protocol and not to, like if you guys were to have told me should i have skipped fallout and watched like did i, I just, ruin it for myself no by no skipping? 
I would say you can never skip any of them, but if you had to skip <laughs> one of them, it would be MI2. It should have been one, two, yeah. MI2 yeah, I would, yeah. having watched it, I agree. <laughs> and that's why I love Not JJ right. so much, is because JJ is so good at forgetting the previous thing without naming names. And Don't just, you like, dare. Don't you dare. Don't do this. This is a happy just podcast. Picking, Whoa, just wait a it second. From... Wait a second. Wait a, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Can we hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop the press. Stop the press. Emily, are you a Rise of the Skywalker truther? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> My people! <laughs> Drew has left so, the chat. Drew, thank you for joining us. We will see you in another time. There's an empty frame where I Drew didn't love that. it. Okay, we can all agree that that Force Awakens is the best. No, <laughs> I don't no. agree. What? You don't think Force Awakens is the best out of the Emily? The this exact Last exchange Jedi. has happened on our podcast like four <laughs> no. times. Maybe I should leave. Right. So <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> nice For some you. context, okay. Emily and I have a series on the podcast, which is movies we disagree on. We think we have to retire it because it's we get really mean. mean. <laughs> we get really mean. We've only done two episodes. The first was The Last Jedi, which I passionately love and Emily pretty passionately hates. Okay. Well, Again, second was Avatar. Charles is more of a neutral party, but Madison, okay. I'm with you. I think, it, I think it's not oh, only one no. of the best, star, maybe the best Star Wars movie, but one of the best I said it on the episode. The last, I yeah, mean, I think I think Last Jedi is by far the most interesting of any of the of any of the Disney Star Wars things that have happened. It's my favorite um, Star Wars movie, and it, it, yeah. I can I can I can why I completely understand why the Last Jedi would be somebody's favorite. There's a lot to love in it. There are just also some things in it that don't really work for me. Before we get in though to our uh, definitive. Tom Cruise rankings. We're branching out. Uh, before we get there, I want to ask you guys about the other two projects that are on Tom Cruise's list right now, in addition to the next Mission okay. Impossible movies, which is one Emily and I's favorite movie title of all time: "Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat," the sequel to Edge of Tomorrow. And then the second yes. one is this the space the SpaceX movie that he's filming. Do either of you have any thoughts or anticipations for either of those? Uh, we were told the plot and the title of that of the next Live Die Repeat slash Edge of Tomorrow, and I have forgotten it completely. And I think <laughs> Charles has for the most part, but it sounded very cool and very confusing. I, I remember it. I, I remember it, like and it is. I remember, I remember it actually pretty well. It is. It is awesome. Um, I think that the title that was referenced was not going to be the official title. It was rejected. Damn it. It's so silly. I think the movie probably will never happen also. Yeah. yeah. I was concerned. It was actually, about- there was almost a chance that it was going to happen. I think enough time has passed that we can say this, but it was going to happen before they were going to shoot Maverick, I think. Right, Charles? No, it had to have been before Mission 7, right? Maybe. Before Mission 7, okay. But yeah, there was, was some gonna, there was, was some window where it was like everybody could do it, but I think something didn't come together. COVID. No, this was before. This was, yeah, this was too easy of an COVID. answer. The before times. Yeah, uh, the, the space movie so we don't silly. really know about. Uh, McCory is listed as a producer or something, but he I don't think is actually involved, and we don't really know. And I don't think that's going to happen either, at least for the next couple of years, because the windows are so tight for the space launch that he's supposed to go on 
and he's going to be shooting another Mission Impossible movie for probably another year and then promoting uh, the one that's coming out and all that. So I don't think that will happen either. Maybe it will, but yeah, we don't have any intel. Uh, I hope now. that one happens for Tom. Like just, and I mean, it makes sense that pro- like probably both, not both of them will happen. I hope one of them does. Cause they're both Doug Lehman, right? Is attached to uh, both of them. Yes, so, they are um, both Doug, Doug's. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, he's conquered earth, so he does need to conquer the heavens. Space. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what we he's done with. The, he's done with the mortal realm. He needs to go. <laughs> he needs to become an extraterrestrial overlord. And I think that that could, but yeah, I don't know. I just don't know if it's going to happen. You know, that's so like, as, as we've learned over the past two years, like the, you know, the best laid plans, you know, go up and it's smoke. Fickle. So it's fickle. It's tough, but yeah, we're just so excited about friend. seven and eight, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I think it's time for the main event of the evening, which is we all prepared our top, our personal top five Tom Cruise movies. And I think, I think it's time to kick it off. I'm feeling like we should go five to one. Like we should build up to what number one is. And I have one honorable mention because it's not like a Tom Cruise movie, but it's a Tom Cruise cameo. I know what it is. I know you know what it is. So you have an honorable mention? Because that helps me because I have I have one. I have to yes. knock off one of my top five to make no, room for make, the make one. No, make one honorable mention. You okay. get one honorable mention. One and then honorable see, I'm, I'm going to not include... I'm not going to include Mission Impossible or Top Gun. Why? As a as a as an exercise, but I'll I'll say okay. One of my okay. I have an exercise. I mean, I have Maverick on mine. Full as an exercise, then just because that's that's what I would like to do, I'm going to do the same. So I'll, yeah. I'll do my honorable mention though, even though it's not my honorable mention because this would be my favorite. Um, is the Mission Impossible series? So okay. you have a favorite. You yeah, have a favorite nice. performance. No, just give us one performance. Charles. In particular, we're talking about movies, not performances. We already established that. I thought. <laughs> um, in particular, the Mission Impossible movies that were going to take up three slots for me were uh, Ghost Protocol, yeah, Fallout, Sorry. and the first Mission Impossible. And the first nice. Mission Impossible in particular would be my number one. But I'm just going to put that as my honorable mention and say those three that. Mission Impossible movies. That's it. Same. I, but I, I think my favorite performance of all of the Mission Impossible movies and one of the, my favorite movies is Ghost Protocol. I think he I think, <laughs> I think his performance is just so wonderful. It's so warm and funny. So much of that is this amazing chemistry between him, Brad Bird, Macquarie, and the two other writers who were on it. Um, I think well, and that just, performance is so important because I feel like it's kind of, there's a shift in Cruz's career that started with that performance, I feel like. That's cool. It's definitely a shift in the character. We always cite that as being hugely important, but for adding that level of comedy in that yes. he was able to, he was always, he always like, you know, he had his ass kicked and he got, the chips were down, but he never approached it in a such a wonderfully warm comedic way that has continued on through the series, adds so much levity. And we are hoping, that's another thing we're hoping for seven and eight, a lot of great comedy character moments. So yeah. I have a I have a question before we we formally go into our things just based off of what you guys were just talking about. So based off of like Ghost Protocol, obviously Maverick now, obviously Fallout. Do you guys think that Tom Cruise is in his like heyday? He's in his peak right now. Like do you think we're witnessing it right now or do you think it's to come? I think it's to come. I think well I think his entire career has been kind of peak. Like there's very few 
mummies Mrs. in his in his closet. You know, like wow, interesting I, word choice, Drew. And you know, I'm just gonna say choice. that as a, as a hypothetical. You know, but uh, <laughs> Charles, I think I think Charles and I are both really excited for his like like when he's playing the Paul Newman side of a color of money wow. movie. We cannot wait to see yes. him just return when. It's really interesting because all the other sort of action stars who who rose in the 80s were so physically based that in their later years, they've had to completely recontextualize what they are and what their relationship is to the audience. Tom Cruise has the benefit of not having been an action hero in the 80s, so he can return to the more character-driven stuff much easier, and and he's he's still going to be able to pick, you know, the top talent young talent, seasoned talent that he wants to work with. And it's just going to be really exciting to see his like twilight years. I think it's going to be really, really great. That was beautiful. (laughs) 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 We don't even have to rank anybody anymore, guys. That was it. I'm done. (laughs) No, that said, we have to rank. So yeah, are we we all doing our our number five now? Are we done with honorable Let's go in a circle and do number five. I think uh, Charles, kick us off. Yeah, Charles. What? I gotta kick us off? All right. Yeah, because you're wearing a red shirt, and that's the brightest color out of anything we're wearing. <laughs> and your daughter's name is Madison. And your daughter's name. Yeah, yeah I was. That was yeah. The follow yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so now, and now I'm now I'm faced with having to f- figure out what figure out what my number one is of these five movies, and I'm having a really hard time even now. I've got to do five exactly. number five. Well, I have to start this off. This is tough. Okay, hard I'm gonna hitting. go. Okay, I'm gonna go with the. This is my number five. I'm excluding Top Gun Maverick. Yep. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say my number five is the firm. Uh, Sidney Pollock's uh, adaptation of a John Grisham novel. I think it did it. Was it the first John Grisham adaptation, Drew? So it was the it was like kicked off all those movies in the '90s, which were a big deal. And um, I think um, it's just an amazing thriller. Um, he's surrounded with such an incredible cast. Gene Hackman's performance is so great. But Cruz, talking about Cruz in particular, um, he's just, I, I just, I, this is a movie I think about a lot. And I think about him running in the tie, flapping in the wind while he's running. It just, when I think of Tom Cruise running, a lot of times I think about the firm. And um, I love the score too. Who's that? Is it Dave Grusini? What's his name? Um, the score, the music score is really interesting in the firm because it was done entirely on piano. And even, even if there's like percussion sounding stuff, like, you know, you hear, you hear like, whatever kind of it's it's the composer was just was just tapping on the side of the piano and that's what they that was what they decided to do for the score and it's really interesting yes it sounds a little bit specific and dated in some ways but it's it's dave dave grusin is his name um is uh it's a really unique and and so many music scores sound the same so it's nice to hear something different um so that's my it's it's i think it's wonderfully dated i look at movies of the 90s and i'm like ah it was just—it was a simpler time back then. You two were maybe not even born. We lived through it. It was a wonderful time. We were there. <laughs> and yeah, that movie. I was watching movie The Lion the only... King, but yeah, also. I the <laughs> we were watching it too. You know, the thing about the firm, I will say, is it—it it got really dinged when I watched the Pelican Brief, and I was like, "Oh, this movie is a lot better." And, no yeah. way! You think the Pelican yeah. Brief is better than the Firm? You are crazy. Yeah. You are crazy, <laughs> yeah, friend. 
That is, I, I enjoyed the Pelican brief when I went back and rewatched it when you when you um, recommended. But I wait, was that also John Grisham? So that was the first one then. If it yeah. was, is that John? Okay, so that was the no, first John, one. Pelican that was in, was that was in ninety four. No, that was in ninety. Pelican brief was ninety four. Pelican brief is ninety three, and the firm is ninety three. Oh. They're both ninety three. Interesting. Oh, wow. So which one came out first? This is like John Grisham double header in ninety three. Okay, also, the, the year was I was born, so triple header because he's my So father. Madison did not watch this movie. <laughs> oh, the firm was in June. Okay, when was uh... Madison? You pop out of the room. Pelican Reef was December. <laughs> okay, so the firm was first. Okay, all right, there we go. Uh, the firm is the OG. I'm sorry, I hate to break it to you, but uh, Sidney Pollack is better filmmaking, more mature incredible... performances. No, I love yeah. Pakula, but I don't think his filmmaking was as as uh, at, it was not at the top of his game in the '90s. I, I think still... I, that that one was that one's still great. Anyway, sorry, we're we're going off topic. This is... <laughs> I don't want you to fight. What's that? What's that segment you have where, where you would disagree on a movie and you end up fighting? This is it. This is the segment. What do you call it? Yeah, so Madison, that's this, true. Is, this is movies. This is movies, movies we disagree movie on. Disagree on. Yeah, yeah. We disagree on. The, the yeah. firm and the this Pelican Brief. Right Part three. Is is Drew and Charles talking, and Madison and I are mediating the whole time. We're like, <laughs> just, like, just say something. Be sweet. Nice. Be sweet. Yeah. Say two nice things to each other. <laughs> I've never seen the Pelican Brief, but now I feel like I should prioritize it oh, over it this is, protocol. It is a. It is a hoot. It is so much fun, Pelican Brief. Just great. Uh, great it's a fun. hoot, or is it a like? Ah! Oh yeah, what does the pelican make? <laughs> I don't know. That was my dumb bird joke of the night. How many glasses and... of wine have you had? No, so it's just whiskey. Um, <laughs> okay. Madison, <laughs> Madison, what's your number five Tom Cruise movie? <laughs> okay, my number five. Hear me out, uh, legend. <laughs> Okay. I'm getting a, I'm getting a lot nods. of everybody just stares and nods. I'm getting a lot of sympathetic nods. Here's why. <laughs> Let me back this up. The Legend is the first movie I remember watching, and I watched it pretty young, knowing that I was watching a bad movie and loving every single second of it, which is now just a genre of film that I love. I love the act of watching a movie that I know isn't great, but I'm enjoying it anyways, and so I'm happy that it was made. Uh, and I also Blade Runner is like my favorite movie of all time. I love Tom Cruise. So just watching like a Tom Cruise Ridley Scott movie that I think is like so ridiculous and fun is like my favorite. And I watch it like once if a year. If Blade Runner is your favorite movie of all time and you love Tom Cruise, I think I, I think we're getting a little a little peek into your top four <laughs> somewhere in there. But I, I don't know. I could be I could be speculating here. Who's but, yeah. to say? But yeah, Who's I'm locking in Legend, and I know it's ridiculous, but. I'm, it's a steadfast choice. Okay. <laughs> right, Drew. Number five. I think for not, my number five, hmm. you know, I think I'm going to go with Jack Reacher. The first really? Jack Reacher from 2012. I oh, think that would be I didn't know you were that big of a fan. I was going to say that on the show we should do, because the 10th anniversary is coming up, that we should do something on Light the Fuse for the 10th anniversary. Yeah, I mean, I think that movie is amazing. I mean, it's got one of the all-time great car chases i think he's really yes. endearing and um you know tom cruise has a history in his career of getting cast as controversial controversially cast as literary characters and this is perhaps the most controversial um and uh, a lot of people think that it didn't work but i say yes i just think it's great it's like it's there's long stretches where it's just sort of like pure kind of suspense. I love the way it's shot. 
Um, there's like a scene where he's in like a mini mall or something and it looks, it's just so beautiful the way Caleb Deschanel shot it. Um, and yeah, our buddy McCory wrote and directed. I just think it's a lot of, a lot of fun. If you haven't seen it, which I'm guessing neither of the, the young women on this podcast have, give it a whirl. I've known. Oh, okay. I've weirdly, I weirdly had seen Jack Reacher, but I'd seen none of the Mission Impossibles. Couldn't explain it. Wow. But yes, I have seen it. <laughs> you can, you can skip Jack Reacher too. Much like in the, <laughs> you can skip <laughs> That's your number five. Too, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, Emily, you're up. All right. Number five for me, Edge of Tomorrow. And another plug. This was episode 16 of our podcast. So we did Edge of Tomorrow and other movies with solid time loops. So mm-hmm. that was I remember this one... episode. That was 16 of 50? 16. Good Lord. So that was, lives. what date did that come out? Let's see. That was... Uh, About a year ago. Fuck. August 23rd, 2021. Cute. Wow. Yeah. So again, Edge of Tomorrow, very fun. I like to recommend it to people a lot because I feel like a lot of people have not seen this movie who are my friends so I like to say it's very fun and I often try to find a plot hole in this movie and can't find one have you guys found any plot holes in Edge of well, Tomorrow? I remember watching it and I was like I don't know just the fact I that when one. after the loop is closed they still remember it is a little iffy I, mean, I always remember being like but well, just Tom Cruise right well no because Emily Blunt remembers does she no, she doesn't. Because at the end, remember, she's, she's like, doing her yoga. She's doing her like yoga. No, I mean, I'm talking about what from are you the doing beginning, from, him, from her teaching him and everything. Her loop has yeah. ended already. So she remembers up to that point. It. They don't show it, but basically every day, Tom Cruise, has, his character has to explain to her. That's right. true. And, catch, and get her up to speed. Right, but she that's only true. remembers to that point because that's when she loses her memory because. That was about to be hilarious if we were like, there's no plot holes, name one. And Drew the was like, well, here's one. a huge... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, listen, the, whole, the whole movie toasts on some... You know, you gotta just go with it. But it's such a it's such a wonderful yes. kind of contraption, that movie. Um, that I love again, it so much. It, it was very close to making my top five. I, cons- <sighs> I considered it. Yeah. Very close to your top five means a lot to me. So this is good. Yeah. Right, let's go to number four now. I agree. Four, Charles. Charles. What? Oh, for me? Number oh, okay. four, Charles. Shit. Um, <laughs> God, there's just so much pressure. Um, I know. Okay, four. We're saying favorite, not best. Favorite, right? Favorite. Whatever favorite. your favorite. heart. Okay. I'm going chose, I chose legend. It's favorite. Top, top five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, top five favorite Mission Possible. Mission Possible. God, my brain. Top five favorite. Tom Tom sorry, Cruise this is real movies. friends, not light the fuse. Sorry, okay. Remembering which podcast I'm on. Okay, real friends. Okay, if it were best, this probably this would be higher. If it's favorite, I'm going to say my number four is Eyes Wide Shut. That's great. I love this Good movie. Good number four. It's a, Charles's um, list is so predictable to me. I'm just, I'm just, I can give you you say that about everything episodes about episodes with him, Drew. Yeah, you just well, know me too that's well. That's Madison true. and I can do the same with each other as well. Yeah, Madison gets my honorable <laughs> mention without me yeah, even saying true. anything. It's um, true. I do know. Yeah. Yeah, I think this movie is uh, maybe a masterpiece. It's it's really incredible. It maybe would be, if I was doing best, it would probably maybe would be number one as best Tom Cruise movie. And you guys um, had just, who? Who did you have on your show? Who was on Eyes Wide Shut as well as the hair? Impossible. Yeah, the, it was the hair. 
Yes. Yeah. Awesome. He did the hair for Eyes Wide Shut, and he had some great stories from the set of Eyes Wide Shut, which was really awesome to hear. Uh, yeah, I just it's such a fascinating movie that just opens up to you every time you watch it. I watch it every time I see it, I get more out of it. There's more to dissect and think about. And it's just such a fascinating, weird fever dream of a movie. And I watch it every Christmas. Um, it's just it's wonderful. It's, it's the most impeccable uh, like beautiful Christmas trees in the background of every scene. So it's nice to even have on in the background uh, at Christmas time. Not when the kids are awake, obviously. I was gonna add, that was my second <laughs> question. Yeah. Little Madison. Loves- Madison's walking with like, a little mask She's on. She's got to learn yeah. something. Yeah. Her face. Fidelio. That's how they get out of yeah. their bedroom. They sat the shelter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm so glad you said that, Charles, because my number four is also eyes wide oh, shut shit. yeah yeah eyes. we so, see eye to eye here this is great same same eyes to eyes eyes to eyes wide eyes to shut eyes. wide shut yeah yeah uh and i agree i actually watched this like relatively late in life i think i was like 20 or 21 the first time i watched have rewatched it a lot in recent years and it's like climbed its way up to being like probably one of my favorite kubrick movies so i love i love it yeah wonderful drew take it away Oh, um, so my number four is Collateral. Um, I love Tom Cruise as a bad a bad man, and as as Vincent in Collateral, he's as bad as they get, baby. I mean, some of the, some aspects of that movie have not have not aged particularly well. I think the songs that Michael Mann chose deeply suck, and we've we've talked about this recently on on uh, One Heat Minute, Blake Howard's great podcast. But um, yeah. I don't know what else there is to say. I think I feel like everyone's really appreciating Michael Mann right now. Everybody's reading Heat 2 and like, you know, kind of loving loving the man lifestyle. And um, I would love to see them pair up. You know, there's, there's, there's so many things we could do too about the kind of like the movies that Tom Cruise almost made. I think Tar- Charles and I are kept awake at night by the thought of him and Brad Pitt starring in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I think so I think the version oh, was, of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Tom Cruise would have been Chris Pine in the Leonardo DiCaprio role. Okay. Oh. I believe that was the alternate no. casting. Okay. I'm going to check your work on that one, but yeah. We because love it, an well, him, him working with Tarantino. Yeah, we lo- we we typically do an alt casting on our on our pod as well. So I love this. Yeah. Cuz I don't think Cruise I think Cruise would have been in the Brad Pitt role. Oh. Okay, yes. And I think that the younger guy, the DiCaprio role, I think was going to be Chris Pine. Was te- was He had different pairings. He had DiCaprio paired with Pitt and someone else was paired with Cruz, and I believe it was Chris Pine. Who He's, he's you know, Tarantino has, has sung his uh, Chris Pine's praises before, so I would believe that. That makes sense to me. I can totally see Tom Cruise in that role, but I can't see him with Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, so yeah. that makes sense to me that if it was going to yeah. be him, it couldn't have been. Yeah. All right, Emily, give us your. All right, ready for this number four? Uh, pretty predictable, predictable for me, but War of the Worlds. But I think it's mainly for the uh, Dakota Fanning performance <laughs> as well. It's a great performance. It's so good. And also, we love Universal Studios, and I love going to Universal Studios yes. and seeing that plane crash. Yes, scene. it's so it's good. So, and they have like the smoke machine out. And I'm like, and I always turn to whoever I'm with. I'm like, oh, do you know War of the Worlds by Steven Spielberg? And I tell them like a little <laughs> like snippet of it, and they're like, 
yeah, I'm listening to it right now on the tour. You don't need to tell it to me right now. But I do love War of the Worlds. I think it's a masterpiece. Medicine and I talked at length about this as well. I don't think we did War of the Worlds, just, but we I did another. Just shy of a, just shy of a masterpiece. Just Maybe. Just, I, I'll take that. I, I, I agree with you, too. It's it's enjoyable to watch. I, I would like the creature design to be a little bit more imaginative, I will say that. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel kind of the same way, actually, about War of the World. I First of all, it's to come on my list. I love War of the Worlds. Emily knows this. We've talked about it at length. I love mm-hmm. War of the Worlds. I agree loves. about yeah. the character design, and I also feel the same way I do about Edge of Tomorrow, that I feel like the last 20 minutes of both of those movies could have been so much better. Yeah. It, it comes I think out of, like, I, I, of anxiety. Yeah. I, with Edge of Tomorrow, I definitely agree the last 20 minutes yep. could have been better. I the with War of the Worlds, that was I know it's easy to just write off and just say, like, well, it was the it's the story, it's from the book. Right. So but but I don't know, to me it's something about that that there's something satisfying about the ending of War of the Worlds to me. Mm-hmm. That it that all of our guns and then all our bullshit, we couldn't do anything. It wasn't us, it was just the plan. Yeah. The bacteria. Maybe there's a bit there's little something, bit more There's dynamic something kind of nice there. about that to me. Um, uh, but but I understand, I completely understand someone being disappointed by that ending. So I, I, I get think it. it's I get it. Robbie the Sun is the worst part of that entire movie for I, us. Yeah. <laughs> I, yes, I used to hate the ending for that reason, that he survived. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, that Hi, Robbie. <laughs> to, me, to me, the problem with the ending, and now in recent years when I watch it, I think, because I've seen the movie so many times, um, that I, now when I watch it, I to me, I realize like, I, it's not that I hate that he survived, because I think if he didn't survive, then Cruz's character wouldn't learn a lesson. He would be proven right. correct right. in not, mm-hmm. not wanting him to go. And so he need the son needed to survive in order for that character arc to work. The, so the problem I have with the movie isn't that the son survived. It's the staging of yes. the kid going over the hill and the yes. entire hill blowing up yeah and they just shouldn't have done that just don't have the giant explosion that's my problem with the movie not the ending it's well you've seen you've seen that previous of the that it went over the hill and you saw the battle and then all the tanks come like rolling over yeah that would have been better if you went into a battle but we didn't know as opposed to like a giant explosion where you're you're like well how did you survive that right yeah another great tom cruise Thing, and that is when he throws the peanut butter against the wall. That's another oh my really god. Yeah, I love that scene. And it just yeah, sticks. It's just <laughs> so good. So on yeah. Twitter recently, I sent it to Drew. There was a. It was on Twitter or on Instagram. Someone there was a behind the scenes uh, video of that moment when they're talking about the peanut throwing the sandwich. It's Spielberg and Cruz talking about throwing the sandwich against the yes. throwing the bread against the window. I want to find that link again. It was iconic. So please send it to us, and then we'll post it on our Instagram. Yeah, please. It's such it. a Spielberg moment. Like those like moments that he gets of like specifically fatherly, but just like familial exactly. frustration. It's like the yes. same as yeah, like the shot in Close Encounters of the kid crying. Like it's mm-hmm. also yeah, but. No, for me, I think it's War of the Worlds is like just everything up through the Tim Robbins sequence is like no notes, like so immaculate. And I love it so much. But the Tim Robbins whole scene is just so good. And so it feels like they were like accommodating the ending, I guess, after. Yeah, that is is the real emotional kind of climax too, right? It's like you finally get to see the links that he's going to go to. To defend right. his family, and, and he Dakota, is just like and Dakota like, Fanning, just like closing, like you and, know, just like yeah. not listening. Not only that, but yeah. also in that sequence too, you see him. He he um, 
he, you know, he does his best as a father and he sings to his daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, he sings the Beach Boys song. And like, there's just that, that's a whole section, I think. There are people who don't like that section of the movie, and I think it's great. I love it. The Tim Robbins I'd love stuff. to see how petite Tom Cruise killed Tim Robbins. I'd like to see how that <laughs> silently. <laughs> That would have gotten an R. That would have gotten an R rating. Whatever, whatever happened behind that door? Yeah, we will never, we'll never, we'll never know. All right, let's go to number three. Yeah, Charles. Is it me again? Let's wrap this up. It's getting late, Charles. Come on. All right, I'm going with Collateral. I'm, I'm, I'm going with Collateral. I love Collateral. I, I understand Drew's criticism that the, 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 there's, a, there's one, it's only one song I think that's really dated in the movie. The rest of the soundtrack works totally. It's just one section, but it, to me, it's part. Of, I think we talked oh, about I was this wrong. on Blake. I was wrong about the data about the data music. It's yes, all, it all right. works. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just saying that there's one song, and to me, it's part of the Michael Mann world building charm that he has now. When I look at Michael Mann's movies, that's just part of it. Is the you you can't you can't have a you can't get into Michael a, a, a Michael Mann character's head without hearing a Chris Cornell song. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so well, anyway, I, I, I hear Crazy Lincoln Park, you know. Yes, yes, like, yes. Oh, cool. Dude. Anyway, yeah. Well, so anyway, I yeah. Tom Cruise as a villain, and that performance is so incredible. Um, I, Cruise, I think, was on someone else's podcast a few years ago. I know we don't like to talk about any but any other podcast he's been on. Yeah. But he was saying to somebody that that Michael Mann approached him and asked him to play the cab driver role that Jamie Foxx plays. And Cruz said, I want to play Vincent. And then and then he said Michael Mann like said, Oh, let me think about it. And he like called him back a couple hours later and was like, Yes, let's do it. So it was like that to Cruz, if that's true, like Cruz having that instinct to be like, I want to play Vincent, that's just amazing. That's just so mm-hmm. awesome. Uh my number three is Edge of Tomorrow, which we already talked about. Mm. I just, it's such a fun movie. And I think the reason it ranks on my personal top five that high is I was just so surprised. Like I thought because of the trailer and the name of the movie that it was going to be like so dumb, candidly. And I like went in and had so much fun <laughs> so in that fun. movie. And I still think it's great again, except for the last 20 minutes of the movie. I think it falls a little flat, but it's not a triumph of marketing edge of tomorrow. I don't think anyone would yeah. argue Live that. Live that repeat uh, edge of tomorrow. Yeah. Right. The Live big, there. yeah. The big, yeah, travesty is that they just couldn't decide. That they, like, halfway through marketing, they were like, oh, sorry, we have another title, so we're just going to add yeah. that. <laughs> I think we, th- we, th- we think the best title was the first one, which is All You Need Is Kill, which is just the yes! coolest title. Which I've been no, to the soundstage where they shot it, and that's what it's on, on the little plaque outside the soundstage. Like, All You Need Is Kill. So it has been immortalized, Dun-dun-dun. yeah. <laughs> if yeah. we had been sitting in, like, a board meeting and people were like, so here are ideas for titles, I would have been like, all three are bad. No. Yeah. <laughs> Do better. Yeah, keep, keep thinking. Yeah, next. Uh, Drew, your number three. Drew. Oh, my three um, is Interview with the Vampire. Yeah, uh, Drew, me too. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's go. We're gonna, um, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, jump in together on this one because yes, it's. Let's, let's collaborate. Can you alternate? Can you alternate words? Can you like do it like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yes. We don't, well, yeah. Lestat. <laughs> Uh, is. Kirsten yeah. Dunst, Chris, crispy Kirsten Dunst. Uh, what else is there? Antonio Banderas. Oh, he like is that's so all good. you need. God, I yeah. love Antonio oh, Banderas. So good. Like, uh, just like it's the score a- is so like silly. Like, the, eh, everything is perfection. Madison, I'm assuming Interview with the Vampire is higher on your list. 
Oh yes. Yeah. Wow. I was the only one that was going to have it on my list. I, I'm, no, and no, it turns no. out I'm the only one who doesn't have it on a list. We okay. love it's Interview okay. with a Vampire. This it's is good. we have like we have like three or four movies that we talk about all the time <laughs> that we just like can't do have because we're like we Not can't yet. talk like how would we talk about it? An Interview with a Vampire is one of them. Oh, we love well, it. you know, it's, Thank it's you. such a wonderful, it's, you know, it's one of a handful of movies I would classify as sort of like horror epics. It has such scope. It has such production value. The perf- Every performance is just like note perfect from Christian Slater on down. And, everything you know, I just. Everything in the movie. Well, everything, like, and it's like, it's a really, score. it's such a it really goes for it. I mean, like full frontal nudity, like really, really violent, like, you know, and it doesn't, and it doesn't do that thing that a lot of like, it's sort of, because it's almost a time travel movie, right? In the way that he kind of moves through the eras, mm-hmm. but it's not like he's like walking through Dealey Plaza the day that JFK was killed. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of, it carves out this, this lovely like niche for itself, this kind of Southern Gothic um, New Orleans thing. And it's just, it's such a, it's such a feast the movie it really is um yep so yeah it's great Perfectly anyway solid. all right charles I, I love that's your... both are, yeah both are number are we back down to me for again for number yeah, two charles. yeah, yeah for that two. was our, that was drew and i tag team interview with a vampire yeah and that's a quote <laughs> um so <laughs> uh my number two is minority report um, uh, the other I, Steven I see, Spielberg I see Madison directed nodding along. Tom Cruise movie. Um, this movie was that, speaking of like third acts that didn't work. The first time I saw this movie, and for even years probably after I first saw it, I had a kind of a like I was like ah the, the third act of this movie like the finale like it's just it's all wrapped up in such a neat bow at the end and it's such bullshit. Like, not only is he back with his, spoiler alert, back with his wife, but she's even pregnant with a new kid and everything's all hunky-dory and it's just so perfect. And then somewhere along the line, someone pointed me to, in the direction of a theory about this movie, that um, the whole third act is actually entirely in uh, Tom Cruise's mind. And when you it's watch from the, the time movie, piece, it's from the time. Let me explain this better. It's from the time. I'm, I'm going to. <laughs> I'm on my way to explaining it. Fucking rude. <laughs> I'm, but you can, if you want to chime in, you get a different, a different voice. Go ahead. I'm, I was going to explain it. Tell me if this is right. When he's when he's in in uh, what's his name's like kind of cryo chamber the, this explanation is great on. you're you're doing yeah. so great explaining <laughs> Tim Blake Nelson. he Tim goes Blake to Nelson. jail at the end of the second act he goes to jail and in jail in which they set up earlier they all these people get put in this kind of sleep stasis and they're put in these pods it's tim blake nelson yes and he puts them in there and when he when tim blake nelson puts him in the sleep pod he gives this speech that is so bizarre and when you watch it next time you watch it pay close attention to what he says it's so weird. He explains like, oh, when you go into this sleep, you you go and all your and dreams all, come true. All your dreams come <laughs> true. And like he goes and then like it just goes into this very close close up of Tom Cruise and the this light goes on and then it just cuts out of that and then it goes into all these things and then his wife gets super involved in the story when she wasn't and she wasn't before. In fact, I think she was the one who turned him in. And now she's suddenly like going on this investigation to go figure out everything and all this stuff. And so once this came 
for me. Like once I, I re, and then I revisited the movie, I was like, holy shit. And if I ever get to meet Steven Spielberg, I'm going, this is the one thing I'm going to ask him about is this, the third act of Minority Report and whether or not that was intentional. And I'm sure it was. Um, I'm sure Scott Frank, the screenwriter and Spielberg knew exactly what they were doing. Because when you watch it, and if you pay attention for that, you're like, oh my God, that is super bizarre. And they punctuate that so much that I think that whole third act is very deceptive. Um, and it's also sort of playing with the idea of, you know, people, I think, talk about the Spielberg movies and that they're, you know, I think a criticism people would have in the past is they're corny or they're, you know, everything gets the nice ending and blah, blah, blah. But then like, so it's almost parodying that in this really interesting way too. So I, I'm, I love this movie so much. Um, and, and so much of the, the future that they predicted in it also has been all the, all the hand swiping stuff. Like that was so new. And they must have been talking to like future expert people, futurists or whatever about that. Because now obviously that's all we do is swipe. When you watch the movie now, you're like, oh yeah, that's what we do. We swipe. But at the time that was so new and we'd never seen anything like it. Anyway. That is a compelling theory. And Charles, you're for sure going to meet Steven Spielberg one day and you will ask him this question. I know. I can't wait. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, there there was an actual, there was an actual different ending, a slightly different ending. That was that. What, that what was part it? of the premiere that I think makes the movie better if they had reinstated it. Um, it it's basically that oh. at the very end, oh. the, the very very end, there was a title card that came up, or it was text over that shot of the house or whatever, and it said in the, it said whatever. Is there is there still text on the end now, Charles? Is like no, I don't, do it. I don't think so. Okay. Well, it's like you know Agatha went away or whatever, and then it says. The following year in the District of Columbia, there were 137 unsolved murders. So just to say, like, okay, yeah, they were doing some questionable shit, but, like, almost 150 people died because the precogs weren't around anymore, which I think it sort of opens up an interesting moral-slash-narrative question. But that would have worked against the dream theory. I know, because, Charles. And then he wouldn't have been able to hold and, on to that tight. And I think maybe they did have that and they realized that and then took it off because they were like, that, that 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 actually messes with what that, what his, Ethan, and is his name Ethan Anderton? Isn't that his name? Is his name Ethan in that also? No, John, John, John Anderton. John Anderton. Uh, yes, his dream at the end is, uh, uh, it, it would it, it, part of his dream would be that that everything is hunky dory, and so would that. So would they be part they put that in the premiere. You were saying, but then they took was it, it really out at the premiere. The... Yeah, it was at the premiere. It was cut cut from the you know wide theatrical distribution. Okay. So, so somewhere in that those couple of weeks, yeah. Gilbert had a change of heart. Um, That's quite. I would. Seen... I don't want to. I don't want to dash Charles's dream of this dream. Don't, ending, don't so. do it. No, don't dash this is it. Charles not... number two. We can't talk about it. Yeah. No, we can't. No. <laughs> I haven't seen Minority uh, Report in like five or six years, and now I can't wait to rewatch it. Yeah, same. It's it's, it's so wonderful. good. Um, go ahead, Madison. Good one. Uh, my number two is Interview with a Vampire. I love okay. Interview with a Vampire for all of the reasons you both so eloquently said. I feel like I've never seen so many talented people committed to something that's so silly exactly yeah exactly like it it is so teetering on the edge of being like full-blown silly but it's not like but it doesn't tip so it's just like this hilarious balance to me and i love that movie i think it's perfect and high rewatchability as well 
Yes. Like, and it I helps agree, that, I it, that, that, that Brad Pitt is that, is that young and that pretty. Because he really looks like a kind of like a porcelain doll. You know, yes, and he's like blue his contacts. Not, yeah, his, he's not the best in that movie, but he he tries really hard and it's sort of perfect. And, you know, if you had asked me at, at whatever, 24, to be like, okay, you have a Southern accent and you're going around going, I do declare there are vampires in this in these misty, oh in this misty bayou, you know. Yeah, that's those are actual quotes from the movie. Yeah, Very funny yeah I remember it's that scene. Everybody. It's tough on everybody. But I'm everything not, that you said, like Foghorn Leghorn, <laughs> and interview the vampire. But everything that you said, like Christian Slater at the beginning and end, I love Kirsten Dunst, obviously an icon. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise in that movie is so, and I just remember watching it as a child and his intro shot in that movie when they first see him like in the tavern, he like turns to the side and I just always remember my mom being like, because he's silhouetted and he's in shadow and she just went, ugh, look at that nose. And I think about it every time I watch the movie. Every time I watch. So it's We look at that nose and we say, yes. Look at that <laughs> nose. Yeah. <laughs> But I think about it. Anyways, I love it. Emily, you're number two. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, only because everybody knows what my number one is. Yeah. Well, the people All don't. Right. <laughs> no, not yet, but we're going to get to it. But obviously, Top Gun Maverick is perfection, and that's all I'm going to say because we talked about it so much. Charles, you're number one. My number wait, one. My wait, we skipped through. Wait, do we? Wait. We skipped through. Wait, did I skip you? To- yeah. So sorry, Drew. Drew's supposed to go before me, you guys. Okay, oh sorry. God. Okay, Drew, anyway, I'm so it's, sorry. it's the color of money, whatever. It's the color of money. <laughs> okay, cool. Hey, so Charles, what's your number one? <laughs> That's it? We're not going to give Drew anything? No, I'm just what about Drew? the color? <laughs> Drew, Drew, you can talk about it. I'm sorry. Well, I think Charles and I both rewatched this recently, and we were blown away at how good it is. I mean, it's, yeah. it's I've awesome. never, I personally never have seen it, so I will oh, this, that'll be, watch I, it. That's going to be so fun for you. I mean, it's such a it's such a blast. It's so great. And it's all, we've, we've talked about this on the show, but it is really like, it, you know, he, he is the Miles Teller role, you know, to Paul Newman's Maverick in Color of Money. And it's just, it's Martin Scorsese just having fun, and the score is great, the music is great. It's it's really raw in some unexpected ways, and uh, yeah, just just a wonderful. It's such an unsung gem. I don't know why more people don't talk about it, but anyway, there you go. Color money. We'll watch it. Check it out after yes. this. Ten ten. We'll watch. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Charles. Give us your number one. My number one is War of the Worlds. <gasps> this I would say is my Charles. favorite. I just I know Emily. I was like biting my tongue. I was like I, I, I don't want to give away what my. I thought my... nobody else was going to put it on their list. <laughs> <laughs> I just in terms of p- favorite, pure favorite. Like I put this movie on all the yes. time. It is such a blast, and um, just every the, the way it builds. I love the character that Tom Cruise plays and the journey he goes on and. It's just, it's such a wonderful movie. And I just, I, I love all, all the sections. We've already talked about the movie before. So mm-hmm. all the sections we talked about before. The wrap wonderful. it up, Charles. But also like the, <laughs> after the Tim Robbins section, when he gets, comes out of the house and looks and it's like Wizard of Oz. And it's just like, oh my yeah. God, this movie is just wonderful. And like the sound and, mixing too of all the yes. like, like it's the so wah. jarring. Yep. Yeah. Oh my mm-hmm. God. It's terrifying. We our best, our best alien <laughs> ship sounds. <laughs> sound that sound walked so that uh dune could run 
Yeah. So true. So true. true. And the also, I love that they used the exact sound effect in Pop Star. Did you, did you notice that? Yes. In, no. in Pop Star, they have they have that he has that he like he has like a it's like a DJ helmet that he puts on and it like makes a sound and it's the sound effect from Amazing. War of the Worlds, which is also so great. anxiety. <laughs> Um, yeah, and also like the fairy attack sequence. It's just every yeah. sequence oh. is just oh my god with Chessie so from uh, Parent yes. Trap, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. and it's mm-hmm. just every moment. It's just I mean, it's terrifying. There's just all the post nine eleven imagery that was so scary, and I don't know. It, it's just a I just love that movie. I watch it all the time. Charles is constantly thinking about nine eleven. So I can't stop thinking happen. about nine eleven, guys. <laughs> I mean, that's valid. It's, I think it's one of the, there's like, you know, there were movies that were made about that. There was a yes. very specific feeling in that those years after 9-11 that were really scary. And I think there are a few movies that really tapped into that and 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 showed you what, or it can, di, sort of depicted what that feeling was. And I think War of the Worlds is one of them. I think The Dark Knight is another one, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, those are probably the two best movies of, of that, that, that really... Um, showed you what the world was like post 9-11. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Well said. Um, well, to tack on to that, my number one is also War of the Worlds. Yes! Wait nice! a minute. Wait a minute. Was you, was, yes! Was Minority Report even on your list, Madison? No, but it's an honorable mention. But I knew once I started, once I start, said Ridley Scott, and then I once I said Tom Cruise, so I knew you were going to think about Minority Report. I'm well, so sorry. Honorable mention, but it has to be War of the Worlds for me because, like, well, one, I genuinely just think, and I've talked about this on the podcast, that, like, Spielberg, for everyone, Mm -hmm. this is not singular, was, like, so huge for, like, me choosing this career path, but specifically War of the Worlds, like, I genuinely think seeing that movie, like, changed my, like, changed my life. Like, I just remember being so into how that movie was made, and I think there's like a real part of me that has been chasing the feeling I had when I first watched that movie when I was what, like 10 years old. I've been like chasing that since I first watched it. Like it's so immaculate. And I think going off of what you were saying, Charles, like there's some specific genre of disaster. It is that no one's been able to like tap into for me afterwards. The like the humanity of it, which obviously Spielberg is such a master of doing with anything that he's tackling, but yeah, I just love it. It's a masterpiece. And, we, and we've yeah. talked, Madison, too, about like the behind the scenes, like the like the Orson Welles of it all. Like we've talked about like the history of this film, and like and like how that just like has changed entertainment for everybody, pretty much forever. Going, it off feels of that was yeah, so cool. It feels like a kismet film. Like it could only have been made like at that time. I think nine eleven is a great point by yeah. Steven Spielberg starring Tom Cruise like mm-hmm. it's just like i f- i feel so happy that it was like made exactly when it was and under the circumstances it was made right I love it. yeah it's a good good point to bring in the idea that it's like a it is a disaster movie in a way too and i, I do love disaster movies and they just they're not actually there aren't that many of them and they're a lot they're not often done that well and the right. elements of that movie that are a disaster movie are just top notch i mean everything with the like you were talking about it before, Emily, the the uh, that's still on the the uh, Universal backlot, the, uh, the, the, mm-hmm. the 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 crashed the crash. airplane, and you can still yeah. see on the on the studio lot tour, is so great. We should say also, do we ever say for your listeners who don't know the the Blade Runner Minority Report connection is that they're both adapted from Philip K. Dick, 
if anybody was wondering. We feel like we've hinted at that, but we haven't really said it, right? Is, Which, that, what, is that what you were talking about? That was the connection? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Play, yeah. Both are playing at SIF Cinemas right now for people in Seattle. Oh. <laughs> we're doing a Philip K. Dick series. Whoa, Good that's luck. awesome. Is it called yeah, A Lot of cool. Dick? Yep. <laughs> that's what I would have called it. Marketing, yep. Can we, Thank can you, you very just cut much. Drew off? Can you just kick him out of the room? No. I'm Is booking a room? plane I'm, immediately. <laughs> I mean, speaking of... <laughs> Emily, <laughs> be right there. <laughs> what did you say it was I called? I came for the dick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's me. <laughs> Speaking of Drew, uh, we got to hear your number one. Yes. Speaking of dick, my Drew. That was that sounded exactly no! like a transition, and we're gonna go That's for it. It's fine. What's your number one? <laughs> Listen, I'm used to it. Um, my number one is risky business. Early wow. Great choice! Wow! Awesome! Yep! Great choice! Yeah. I think it's uh, <laughs> obviously like sort of the a watershed moment for him, but also just a really great movie that is for some reason rarely talked about. It's it's one of the most stylistically ambitious teen movies of that era. It has this great kind of dreamy quality to it. It's like super sexy, and there's just a ton of nudity in it, and in a way that like. It's almost offset the kind of sexlessness of some of Cruz's recent movies, which is kind of interesting. He got all of his horny stuff out at the beginning. But um, yeah, I think it's just great. I think he's great. I think Rebecca De Mornay is great. I love the Tangerine Dream score. I think it's like an all-time score that is very also very rarely talked about. And um, yeah, I just think it's it's a really wonderful, powerful movie and really spoke to how... Tom Cruise, you know, for someone who developed into one of the great actors, I think, of his generation, how he had so much there from the beginning. I mean, you watch it and you fall in love with him and you go on this journey. And it is ludicrous, and the, you know, the crystal egg and all that. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's great. And it's sort of heightened in the way that your emotions are heightened as a teen. You know, every day is like life or death. You're super, like, horned up and, you know, you dream of having some beautiful prostitute fall in love with you and you know it's like it's it's just amazing it's just a really really great fun awesome movie that i love so that's my number one and like pop culture wise too like everybody knows risky business everybody knows that scene dun 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 you know we all know everybody knows that reference right we all dance around in our underwear in the living room doing that right much to the chagrin of our wives yeah (laughs) Yeah. Am I the only one? <laughs> I will say it is pretty fitting for my accidental transition. Um, still yes, fits. that's true. Yes. It is. Very yeah. true. Yeah. Can I do All my right. last one really quick? I, kn- I know you're number one. Everybody, I would hope. Not everybody. Let's hear it. My number one. Nobody else. It did not make it on anybody else's list. My number one is Tom Cruise as Stacy Jacks in Rock of Ages. <laughs> All right. You can shake your heads as much as you... Okay, bye, Drew. Nice bye, to Drew. see you. Bye-bye. Drew. Bye. We're back I to the again. for a long time, and he says, All right, well, you're choosing chaos. <laughs> That's a really good quote, like, to me saying that. But listen, he just, like, he trained with Axl Rose to learn how to sing like Axl Rose, for this movie and he looks incredible he did an amazing job and i do not regret this decision at all 
I will I'm say I'm glad. Say. I'm glad we're talking about it because he even <laughs> talked about when he was on the 200th episode of your guys's uh, podcast. He talked about musicals and he talked about like loving and appreciating musicals. And so I'm glad he got his little musical moment in the sun. And he did a great job. And also, I think we should just like wrapping it up. Do honorable mention. I know that you'd done a couple honorable mentions of Tom Cruise roles where he was not the lead actor. So I'm just going to do a quick. Uh, I'll just do my honorable mention. Uh, can we talk about Tom Cruise as Austin Powers in Austin Powers Gold Member? <laughs> Incredible cameo. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. It has to be mentioned for me personally. And that's that's it for me. That's it for me on the Tom Cruise uh beautiful roles that he does <laughs> with Danny DeVito as mini me. <laughs> my, my my actual Tom Cruise honorable mention is gonna be uh, another c- controversial choice is I've tried to throw some curveballs in here, but I actually really love Oblivion. And yeah, that's a good movie. Great Not credit great song. It's a fun performance. Movie. Great, great credit song and multiple Tom Cruise performances in one, which is the only movie you can say that about. So, um, yeah, I just think that movie is really, really beautiful and sort of haunting. And yeah, that the song slash the like end credit sequence is so great. Um, yeah, uh, I would think that would have. You know, the script, we could have fixed some, some stuff, but yeah. <laughs> that movie's kind of like a sci-fi greatest hits. Um, yes. So, you know, it's, which is not a bad thing. It's And visually, it's stunning, that movie. Yeah. I mean, Tom Cruise as Wally. Yep. That, that that's just that's my that's my winter soldier you know kill <laughs> phrase. That's my activation <laughs> phrase. So. I would, I, yeah. I would, a movie we have not mentioned that I would throw an honorable mention in, specifically, especially for his performance, is Magnolia, the Paul yeah. Thomas Anderson movie. I think he, I've, I've sort of gone. I mean, I think when I saw this movie, I was sixteen, and I thought it was like the greatest movie ever made. And then I loved it for years, and then I revisited it again, and I was kind of like, this movie's a lot. This movie's kind of like maybe <laughs> too much. And so, did we, did we I had kind of the, the, the Julianne Moore subplot. Just we could. Not Favorite. Drag it's, that into the uh, trash I mean, bin. There's a lot. There's a lot in this movie, and it's it's a little it's it's it can be a bit much, um, but I still love it, and I've come back around to it to liking it more again. But I think in particular the Tom Cruise story in it is pretty fucking phenomenal all the way through, and his performance yeah. in particular is just mind blowing. It's so good, and just him holding, you know, trying not to cry, and saying, "I'm not going to cry for you." With his dad, it's just like, "Oh my god, it's amazing!" Yeah. So All fun right, fact, Madison, really us, quick. Give us your, give us your, uh, give us your honorable mention, so we can. Well, well, I do have to just say, uh, my honorable mention was Minority Report, but I just do have to say a quick anecdote about minor about uh, Magnolia is when I was probably ten years old, I went to Blockbuster, and it was one of the blockbusters that didn't have the covers on the movie cases; it just had the names, and they were all in Blockbuster boxes. Yes, and I rented Magnolia as a child, thinking that I was renting Steel Magnolias, and I watched it. Was that a two, was that two tapes too? That was a two taper. I think. That was a two taper. Yeah. Is, it was a, it was yeah, a it was DVD. Double VHS. Oh, it was a DVD. Yeah, it was okay. not. A, it was yeah. not a VHS. Or else, yeah, Steel Magnolia okay? my favorite four-hour movie. It probably, you know, speaking of movies that changed my life, that probably did something. I don't know what, but <laughs> well, this Magnolia at ten. So that's my anecdote for <laughs> yeah. honorable mentions. 
And I think to wrap, is there anything else? That was great. Truly great. I, guys, thank you so much for guys? joining us. This was very fun. <laughs> and so late on a Wednesday. This was awesome. On a school night. No, it's okay. You watched a good but movie. But I could say, because I know that there's a, there's a segment at the beginning of the episode that's going to say, what did you watch? So, I mean, there we go. I literally exactly. came from a screening to come here. Thank so, you. Yeah. So much. Yes, of course. Madison and I haven't recorded for like three weeks, so I feel like we've watched infinite things. I've watched so many things. I had COVID. That's all I've been doing. Yeah, Madison only watched. (laughs) Doesn't even matter. You can insert whatever here. True. You both like Nope, though, right? Was that was that a consensus? I love Nope so much. Nope is so good. Thank you. Yeah. I had a friend who said, "Oh, it was okay. I didn't really love it." And I said, "Well, you're not my friend anymore." I love that. <laughs> like I was, not- like I was a ten year old child. I was like, mm, "You're not invited to my birthday party." Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love so it good. so much. I love Get Out and Nope. I think equally for different reasons. I actually really love us. Was okay. But I, I love us. No, I love us. Us is wonderful. I love I think us. Yeah, I love a, this is a group chat. It's just great to see him work perfect. on that level. You know, like Well you see his direction really, getting better and better with each movie. Yeah. It's really, really amazing to see. I can't wait to see what he does next. Perfection. Uh, like I, I like every every single thing in that movie was perfect for me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Love. Agree. Well, um, thank you guys so much for having us on you and guys. For, yeah. yeah. Thank you for giving us an outlet to talk about Tom Cruise. Yes. And literally we needed time. it. Yeah. We needed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've had all this bottled up for so long. It's like, oh my god. Wow. Wow. What a wi- what a wild motorcycle ride that was. <laughs> so much fun. I had a I great love time. those guys. <laughs> I love well one, they just really bought the real friends energy to the podcast, which was the light argumentative uh, with the heavy overtones of love and friendship. <laughs> I love it. They're just like nice, great people. And I appreciate them. And they fucking know their shit. I love yeah. like Charles and Drew know what they're talking about, which is why we wanted to have them on because I'm like, Oh, you're experts in this field. Tell us everything that you know. And as experts, I feel pretty vindicated that we have two additional last Jedi lovers. So anyway, um, <laughs> I feel like I have no say in this because I don't edit the podcast, but um, not a fair. Um, but anyway, please follow us, Madison and Emily, at, at Real Friends Pod on Instagram. Also, follow Light the Fuse Pod, and that's their handle, Light the Fuse Pod on Instagram as well. Uh, they're amazing. And also, please rate, review, and subscribe to both of our podcasts. So that's Real Friends, uh, a movie podcast, and Light the Fuse podcast on Apple, wherever you may listen. I just said Apple. I don't know. I blocked out uh, about <laughs> Stitcher, whatever fucking podcast you listen to, Spotify. Wherever you listen to podcasts, just listen to both of our podcasts because yeah, I don't have to tell you you're listening to us now. But uh, that was a ramble on. Well, also, you got to tell Tom Cruise about us. Because he already he knows about Light the Fuse, so you got to tell him about us. Yeah. At yeah. Real Friends Pod. For the final time in season two, I think I think that's showbiz, baby. That showbiz, baby. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.